Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, the title for today is Whose Side Are You On? Mark 9, 38-40. I'm going to start out with a joke. A man died and went to heaven. St. Peter welcomes him at the pearly gates and he brings him in and starts to show him around. And first of all, they came upon a really loud group up there in heaven, praising and dancing. And the man said, who's this? And St. Peter said, oh, those are the Pentecostals. Go ahead, join in, give a shout. Then they came to a more reserved group next. Very friendly, they waved, but much quieter. And he said, who are these guys? And he said, oh, those are the Presbyterians. They're reserved, but they're very solid citizens up here. Then he heard lots of amens and beautiful gospel songs. And he said, who is this? And he goes, oh, that's the black church. Although we're not segregated up here, but they still like to get together and remember their beautiful songs and, and the gospels and, and just the, the beautiful worship they had down on earth. But you're welcome to join them anytime. There's no segregation up here. Then they came to a walled off area with a big sign, quiet, turn off your cell phones. And he said, who's this? He said, St. Peter said, shh, quiet. He goes, well, well, who's this? He said, that's the Baptists. They think they're the only ones up here. <laughs> now, I'm picking on Baptists because we're Baptistic, but really all groups can become very exclusive, exclusive, can't they? Even the 12 apostles. Last week we saw how they were fighting to be number one out of the 12 apostles. They were all, there was a competition who's going to be number one after Jesus dies on the cross, and Jesus taught them a lesson on servanthood. But the apostles missed the point again because we're going to see another dodo moment today which is linked to last week for a reason. They're all linked together for a reason, as you're going to see. Let me pray first of all. Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to what in our life needs to change and needs to get in line with, with the words of Christ and the, the Spirit's leading. And we pray your Spirit would lead us today through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Mark 9, 38 to 40. Picking it up, it says, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. So we see the apostle John, he tells, tells, a, guy, tells a guy to stop casting out demons in Jesus' name, because he's not one of us. Now, we already know he's wrong to do that because Jesus sets him straight. Why do you think John did this? Because he's still competing. The apostles are still competing. The, the twelve are competing for who's going to be number one, and now they're competing with other followers of Jesus outside the twelve. We're still number one. We're a special club. We're the select elect. And what is it's exposing is their pride. Their pride is exposed again. First, they argue about who's going to be the greatest. Now, if you're not one of us, you're not special. We are the special ones. And this guy was probably a believer, but he wasn't one of the 12. They were probably jealous, too, because they had just failed to cast out a demon. At least nine of the 12 had. Back when Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with the three, the nine couldn't do it. And now there's nobody can do it. He's casting out demons. They had to bruise their egos. They probably felt threatened. And you read this, these stories about the apostles, and, and I, you have to think, what's with these dodos? Look what Jesus put up with over and over again. In fact, right after this, 
I'll look at a parallel passage in Luke. Let's go over to Luke chapter 9, parallel passage, and see what happened right after this. Another thing that, that Mark leaves out that Luke concludes. In Luke chapter 9, verse 49, it says, Master, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. Then right after this, in verse 51, we pick up with this. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. John, what is John known for? Love, the apostle of love. John, the apostle of love, says, let's nuke them. <laughs> let's fry them. This gives us great hope. There's hope for us. No matter how controlling we are or how bad our temper is or our pride or fill in the blank. You, we all have plenty of things to fill in the blank with. No matter how bad it is, God can change anyone. Even the Apostle John became the Apostle of Love. Newcomb John became the Apostle of Love. This gives us great hope that if we live a surrendered life, God can, through a process, make progress in our life. Sometimes someone will say about Someone, a Christian, they'll say to me, I can't believe that person's a Christian. Look how bad they are with X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, just be glad they are a Christian. Think what they would be like if they weren't. Or someone will say even to me, oh, I can't believe you're a pastor. You said this or did that. I'm like, just be glad I am a Christian. If I wasn't, you'd be in a lot of trouble right now. Uh, and, but there's great hope for us. These dodo moments with the apostles gives us great hope. So anyway, back to the story, Mark chapter 9, verse 39 to 40. Jesus sets them straight again. He says, do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Whoever is not against us is for us. Don't stop someone who is working for the same cause as we are. This guy was casting out demons in Jesus' name. Jesus says, don't compete with this guy. We're supposed to be competing with Satan and his demons. And if he's casting out demons in Jesus' name, he's probably a true believer in Jesus Christ, which Jesus already knew. If he's not a believer, it would eventually be exposed. Remember the story in Acts chapter 19. I'll read it to you. Acts chapter 19, starting with verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. So if we if the guy's not a believer, sooner or later it's going to be exposed. He's going to run into a tough demon here, right? But he probably was a disciple of Jesus. He's just not from their group. God is working in amazing ways through many people all over the world. Even some people who make me uncomfortable. 
<laughs> not because of false teaching or they're compromising. That's a whole other issue, a whole different thing. But because they're not one of us. They wouldn't fit at our church. But guess what? We're still all on the same team. And it's very important what we see here from Jesus. It's very important not to divide unnecessarily. I grew up in a church that was pretty separatistic. It was in a denomination, well, it was a non-denominational church. It was part of the IFCA, the Independent Fundamentalist Churches of America. Now, I have a lot of warm memories of my church. And it was what the IFCA churches do, the Independent Fundamentalist Churches of America do great. They preach the gospel like no one else. They, they do a great job preaching the gospel. They preach the Bible faithfully. They hold the Bible inerrant, just as we all should. They're super on evangelism, sharing the faith and witnessing. Love it. But, but the negative side of it is that Many of the IFCA churches and people look down on anybody else if they're for for many what I consider small reasons they look to disqualify other Christians for very very many small things they look to separate many times when it's really not necessary. In fact, we started my friends and I we started calling IFCA we started calling it I fight Christians anytime or anywhere that was kind of became our joke. And it's important to recognize there's essentials and non-essentials. Salvation by faith is an essential, that we are saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven by God for our sins and that we could spend eternity in heaven with God someday because we put our faith in Jesus, we repented of our sin, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we've given our life to him. That's an essential. Baptism is a non-essential. Do I believe in uh, believer baptism and immersion? Sure, I totally believe it. The Bible teaches it clearly that believe and be baptized, that after you become a Christian, you should be you should be baptized. You know, there's nothing in the Bible about sprinkling a baby or baptizing a baby. Nothing about that. It's all believer baptism. Very, very clear. No hint of, of anything else. And it's immersion. It's always under the water and back out again because it's a picture of our dying with Jesus Christ and being raised again with him. And I believe if people have never been baptized as a believer, they're missing out on a beautiful experience. There's nothing like going down to the river and having our baptism services. The Holy Spirit moves in a powerful, powerful way. But I wouldn't divide with a Christian over this. If there's another Christian pastor and, and he believes in infant sprinkling, baptism, whatever, I wouldn't divide over that because it's a non-essential. You're not saved by baptism. You're saved by faith. That's the key. That The salvation by faith is the essential. The baptism is a non-essential. The second coming is essential. That we believe that Jesus is coming again. That's a, an essential belief. But when he's coming and how he's coming is a whole other thing. Whether we're premillennial or amillennial. And somebody's saying, what is that? Don't worry about it. Just worry about the second coming. But I'm premillennial. But I'm not going to separate from an amillennial who believes in salvation by faith. Because that's a non-essential. And I, some people even take it further. Some of my IFCA friends take it even further. You know, so, some, uh, some of them, uh, uh, some churches that I've been associated with... They not just premillennial, but you have to be pre-tribulation on the rapture. And and I've had them say to me, "Well, are you pre-trib?" Well, I don't know. I grew up pre-trib, but I'm starting to see that could be mid-trib or post-trib. Die heretic! <laughs> so that's but that's a non-essential. That's not something we should split over. 
There are also different levels of involvement, not just essentials and non-essentials, but different levels of involvement. If we are going to have an evangelistic event where we're going to have invite people to come and hear the gospel, I couldn't do that with some groups because they teach a work salvation. That's not something we can do together or even have communion together because they teach a work salvation. But I could work with those same groups with a pro-life event for a pro-life event. Because those groups, many times, are a lot stronger than the evangelicals when it comes to protecting the life of the unborn. We need to look for common ground when possible and ask, is this an essential or a non-essential difference? An essential or a non-essential doctrine? And is this event, would this cause me, this event that we're going to participate in, would this cause me to compromise my faith or not? That's the question we have to ask. How is God speaking to us today through, this, through these verses? Maybe it's about our attitude. Maybe, it's, maybe he's calling us to unite with other Christians to make an impact or learn to work together for a common cause when, when we aren't compromising our faith in some way. Or maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet and you have to deal with the essential question. There's one essential question. One question that will matter for all eternity that every one of us has to face. And that is if we were to die today and stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? Because St. Peter's not standing at the gates, by the way. If he were to stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would we say? Because there's only one right answer. It's not, I've been good, I've followed religious rituals, I've been baptized or confirmed or some other thing. There's only one answer, and that is because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've given my life to him. Can you answer that essential question? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe he's talking to us about our spirit, our attitude. Maybe we've been judgmental or not focusing on unity in the body of Christ. Maybe he's talking to us about the essential question. Where are we going to spend eternity? And it's all based on what we do with Jesus Christ. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? The most important question you will ever hear or ever have to answer, have I put my faith in Jesus Christ? And you can do that right now. Wherever you are at this moment, you can do that right now. By saying, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me to pay for my sin, to take my punishment, he was a substitute for me. I believe that. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I repent of my old life. I repent of it. I ask you to forgive my sin. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And I'm going to follow him. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, if you take that step of faith, you have just become a new person in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you, and your life will never be the same. And you never have to fear 
big question of where you're going to spend eternity. And you don't have to fear this life because you have God's help. He's your Father now here on this earth. I want to encourage you to let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you. Let somebody know that can help you grow in your new faith. Father, I pray that you would touch each of our hearts and work in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would convict us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.